Well, good morning. Did anybody appreciate uh, what the worship team did for us this morning? Absolutely incredible. Really appreciated that. So, Well, if you have your uh, Bible this morning or maybe your uh, app on your phone, we'll be looking at the 16th chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. So if you want to go ahead and, and open your scripture there, uh, we'll be referring back to that just a, in, in a little while. Let's uh, pause together as we uh, look to the Lord. I'm just so glad to be back with you this morning and trust that the Holy Spirit will just speak to us this morning as we prepare ourselves as uh, we get ready to, to come to celebrate together uh, the Lord's Supper. So would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we sense your presence in this place. We thank you that you are a God that welcomes us into your presence. And we would simply ask this morning that as we come and as we seek to be still and know that you are God, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to be responsive to that which you would say to us through your word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, or I don't want anybody pointing to someone else or maybe elbowing uh, the person next to you. But is there anyone here that from time to time has a little bit of problem remembering? Well, I, I mention this because sometimes people in my generation, uh, time to time, we deal with some memory issues. Uh, evidently, this is a, a fairly common problem. If you uh, watch TV much, you'll see some uh, different ads on TV for some uh, uh, memory products. Uh, there you can get some things that, that will help you out, and, and that's all good. But I got to thinking, you know, there has to be some common, ordinary things that we can do on a day-to-day -day basis that will help us uh, with our, our memory. And uh, so I decided I would do some deep research on this subject. Uh, I Googled it. And right away, Google brought up 10 items or 10 gadgets to help people remember. And as I looked at it, it said, now this is particularly helpful, helpful for those that are elderly. Now, I didn't necessarily think of myself as being an elderly person, but as I looked at the uh, list, I had to smile because I'm using uh, six of the ten things that are on the list. So here's my, here's my list of things to help me with my memory. Uh, pill dispensers, used that this morning. Uh, sticky notes and labels, we got those all over our house. Uh, a paper calendar, still like the paper calendar to see everything and write on that. Alarms and timer, we're always setting alarms to, so we don't forget this. Uh, a whiteboard, we have that on our refrigerator to post the different things we need to get when we go out to the store or the pharmacy. Uh, GPS, I use that uh, on the way to, to get here. Uh, do you use any of those things? Uh, Siri, <laughs> well, let me advise you not to do a Google search on this because ever since I've done that, my mailbox has been filled with uh, advertisements and ads uh, of different things to help me remember. Well, as, as we uh, look at the scripture this morning, evidently memory issues are not just a modern day uh, issue. Uh, as we look at uh, Matthew chapter 16 this morning, uh, the key verse that we're focusing in on is verse 5. And there the scripture says, 
when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. They forgot to remember. They forgot to take any bread with them. Now, evidently, this wasn't a big concern for Jesus because he didn't say anything about this right away. But instead, in verse 6, he says to his disciples, uh, be on guard, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, this is what's on Jesus' mind. Now, the reason for this is that just before they had gone across the lake, uh, Jesus had been confronted by the religious leaders. In fact, in the first four verses of this 16th chapter, these religious leaders come and they're, they're once again trying to test Jesus. They said, show us a sign. You know, if you're really the, the son of God, show us a sign. Prove to us that you really are the one. And, and Jesus responds to them and says, well, you know, it's a wicked and perverse generation that's seeking for a sign. So he's, he's condemning them. And so Jesus is just flat out fed up with these religious leaders. He, he knows how dangerous they are. And so he says in verse 6, be on guard, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking about a, an evil influence that kind of permeates a, a person's soul. And what had happened in that day is that the, the religious culture of that time had created laws that were not only unspiritual, but they were overbearing. Instead of focusing on the, the Ten Commandments, some 612 different laws and rules and regulations had been created. And, and this created kind of the false impression that you could earn God's favor or stay in God's favor by keeping up with all of these rules and regulations. And so Jesus is still processing that encounter with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And he's frustrated with them because they've focused on outward behavior and perf a performance-based religion rather than helping people develop a heart for God and for other people. And so he's warning the disciples, stay away from that kind of teaching. Now, don't you just love the disciples? They totally miss the point. They are so fixated on their failure and their shortcomings that they don't even hear what Jesus is talking about. They are so busy condemning themselves that they couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. Now that type of thing can happen to us. We can become so focused on the areas where we've come up short and our shortcomings, our failures. And instead of hearing Jesus' teachings or even the gracious warnings that Jesus gives us, we can fall into the trap of, of believing that we just don't measure up and we can become so absorbed in our own actions and our own failures and shortcomings. And when this happens, if we choose to focus on our performance and our efforts, then we can forget to remember the teaching that we find in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. That scripture simply says, for, it's for by grace are you saved through faith and not of your works lest any man should boast. And so that scripture is just reminding us that no matter how hard we work, no matter how many rules we keep, no matter how, quote, good we are, we can never earn our salvation. Salvation comes only when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
And so Jesus is giving his disciples then, and he's giving us the warning to beware of a performance-oriented religion. Now, evidently, Jesus' words just go right over the disciples' heads. Because in verse 7, the scripture says, they were discussing among themselves, it's because we don't have any bread. Now, can you imagine what that discussion might have sounded like? They're thinking that Jesus is calling them out because they haven't brought any bread with them. And so can't you imagine maybe Peter looking over at Andrew and said, you were supposed to bring the bread this time. Andrew said, oh, no, not me. I, I, I think it was John's turn. And John said, no, I brought the bread last time. It was James' turn. So can you imagine them pointing the finger and accusing one another? The scripture says that Jesus was aware of their scripture. Now, can't you just imagine Jesus hitting his forehead and saying, will, will these guys ever get it? Let's look at Jesus' response in the rest of the scripture, uh, beginning at verse 8. And being aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Are the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus is saying, guys, did you forget to remember how 5,000 people were gathered together, 5,000 men plus the women and children, and we looked around and there were only five loaves and two fishes. Remember that? It's all, yeah, yeah, we do. What happened? Well, all of the crowd, they, they ate their fill. And Jesus and I said, well, do you remember, did we have any leftovers? Yeah, yeah, we had like 12 baskets. And Jesus said, well, does anybody remember the 4,000 people that gathered together? And we had seven loaves and how the bread was multiplied. Do, do, do you remember that? Yeah. What, what happened then? Well, everyone ate their fill and, and, and we had leftovers, seven baskets of leftovers. Now, I read that, and I think, how in the world could you forget something like that? <laughs> I mean, the disciples were right there, and they wanted to send the people away. But Jesus said, no, you do it. Jesus let them participate in the miracle. They got the opportunity to serve the people. And not only did everyone eat their fill, but they had doggy, not bags, but doggy baskets full of leftovers. And it's beyond comprehension how they, they couldn't see that Jesus would not be worried or concerned about bread. Jesus was not concerned. But he was concerned that the disciples had already forgotten the miracle of how the bread was multiplied. Now, before we get too down on the disciples, they get this flaw of forgetfulness honestly. 
In fact, when we look at the whole record of their ancestors in the Old Testament, it's a story of how God's people forget to remember. Moses saw this tendency and the danger that it brought. In the book of Deuteronomy, uh, it's really Moses' farewell address to the nation of Israel. And they're standing on the edge of the promised land. Now, in Deuteronomy, this is where the people had stood some 40 years earlier. And 40 years before, the, the Hebrew people had been delivered from Egypt. They had seen God's power miraculously deliver them. They saw the Red Sea being parted. And as they stood on the edge of the promised land, 12 spies went out to, to bring back a report on the land. And as the spies came back, all of the spies said, yes, this is a good land. But 10 of the spies said, yeah, the land is great, but the challenges are even greater. The people are enormous. If we try to go in, we will certainly be defeated. Only two of the 12 said, yes, the challenges are great, but we have a God who is greater. Let's move forward in faith and see God do great things in the midst of us. Well, you probably remember the story that the, the people accepted the report of the 10 spies. And because of their lack of faith, this relatively short walk, this journey uh, from Egypt into the Promised Land, some say less than two weeks, ended up being a 40-year journey through the wilderness. And during those 40 years, everyone under the age of 20 uh, Everyone over the age of 20, they would die in the wilderness. So Moses is talking to the people here in Deuteronomy. They're on the edge of the promised land. He's addressing the people. And these would have been people who would have been children or at most teenagers when the people accepted the report of the 10 spies. And so he's talking to people who would have been under 20 years old when they began the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And look how Moses challenges the people. Deuteronomy 7:18. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to Egypt. Deuteronomy 8:2. Remember how the Lord led you uh, in the way through the desert these 40 years. Deuteronomy 8:11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord in his commands. Deuteronomy 8.18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and confirms his covenant. Well, Israel did move forward in faith. And under Joshua's leadership, they occupied the promised land. And it all looks good until Israel forgot to remember and in the rest of the Old Testament, it's really a series of calamities and disasters and nations conquering them and times of exile. And for the most part, it all boils down to the simple fact that the people of God, time after time, forgot to remember. They forgot God. They forgot about what God had done. As Israel settles into the Promised Land, the book of Judges outlines a cycle of decline where there's... Uh, uh, the people continue to turn their back and then turn back to the Lord. But Judges 3.7 says that Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord. First Samuel, as Samuel, the prophet Samuel is giving his farewell address to the people, he simply says, and the people forgot the Lord their God. And he lists then all of the consequences of that. 
Later, after a civil war divides Israel into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, as Assyria prepares to invade the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, the prophet Hosea calls to the ten tribes to repent and turn back to God. And Hosea reminds them of their sinful pattern. In Hosea 13:6, he says, When the people were satisfied, they became proud, and then they forgot me. And then after the ten tribes of the northern king that have fallen, Jeremiah the prophet calls the people to repent and turn away from their sins. And he reminds them of the pattern in Jeremiah 2.32. He says, my people have forgotten me days without number. Jeremiah 3.21, they have perverted their ways and forgotten the Lord. He goes on in 13.25, hard, the hardships that you face is because you have forgotten me, the Lord. The psalmist and Ezekiel also refer to how the people of Israel forgot the Lord. And we could go on and on and on, but I think you get the point. The people of God, we don't have a very stellar record. It's evident that they have consistently forgot to remember. But you know, when I thought about them, I had to stop and look at my own life. I hate to admit it. But, but if I'm going to be flat out honest with you, there have been times where I've forgotten to remember. Now, there's never been a time where I just flat out rejected God and said, no, I don't believe you. But there have been times that it's been kind of more of a slow fade in my life. Maybe I got busy with other things, good things, maybe even church things. And I got so focused on the busyness and the activities of life, that was more of my focus than, than devoting my heart and focus upon loving God. There was a time I felt that I had all the answers. And so without taking the time to pray about a decision, I made a quick decision. And that is a, is a decision that I regret. I wish I could take it back. What about you? with the pace of your life, the distractions that you face? Have you found it at times easy to forget? See, sometimes it's just forgetting how God has guided us and, and, and protected us and, and delivered us. Sometimes we can forget to remember the, that the blessings and the resources that we have have come directly to us from the hand of God. And we can just take them for granted. Or maybe we can forget to remember a commitment that we made that over time that commitment just seems to fade. See, even in our lives today, it's easy for us to forget to remember. But the good news is that in spite of our failures, in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of the times where, where we don't measure up even to our own expectations, we have a God who remembers His promises and His covenants. We have a God who is faithful even when we are not. Isn't that good news? We may forget to remember, but God never does. And he offers us freedom and forgiveness and hope. And it's not at all based on what we do or even what we fail to do. It all flows from what Jesus has done for us. In fact, that's the whole reason we can come to a communion service. You, you remember that before Jesus went to the cross, he, he gathered with his disciples. And their stated purpose was to celebrate 
the Jewish Passover. Now, the Passover was more than just remembering the facts of deliverance. Yes, the people would look back and remember that they were slaves in Egypt and that they had no hope that they could ever escape. But it was in the midst of this hopeless situation that God remembered his promise and his people. And God delivered his people. He set them free from their bondage. And so help, to help the Jewish people to not only remember the details of that event, but also to have a way to re-enter the story, the Passover was celebrated with a meal. And at the Passover meal, the Hebrew people used their physical senses. It was by smelling the food and seeing it and tasting it. These were all ways that they could celebrate how God had delivered them. You see, the meal provided a tangible way to re-enter the story. So, with the events of the Passover being the backdrop of Jesus being with his disciples, he took the bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And then he took the cup, the cup of a new covenant in his blood, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. See, Jesus gives us a powerful way to re-enter the story. The Lord's Supper is, is a time to remember that sacrifice that Jesus made for us upon the cross. But it's to be more than just rehearsing the, the events and the details of his crucifixion. It's an invitation that as we remember that we also relive the miracle of God's grace. That he loved us so much that he sent his son, his only son, that whosoever would believe in, them, in him could have life and have it everlasting. See, the bread and the cup that you'll take in just a little while, they are physical, tangible ways that we can re-enter the story and experience in a fresh way the miracle of God's work in our lives and the deliverance he brings to us. Now, the Apostle Paul brings an additional insight in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. He says there, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So as we celebrate communion, yes, we are looking back to what Jesus did for us. But we're also remembering that upon the cross, what Jesus did there is to change our lives. And as a result of his sacrifice, we are to live our everyday lives in a way that honors Jesus, that points people to Jesus. But we are also to live with the realization and the anticipation that he's coming again. And if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, then we will be ready to meet him and spend all of eternity with him. So communion is a powerful reminder that our God is a promise-keeping God and that he desires to live in a covenant relationship with us. It's a new covenant. And because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we experience a covenant of grace and forgiveness and freedom.